Today I want to talk about Christmas. This is a very controversial topic. In the years, whenever I say something about Christmas, I can see the people's hair and their neck stand up. And they want to get angry with me. It's funny how Christians quickly get angry with you when you talk about Christmas. They, they, they get offended when you want to talk, say anything negative about Christmas and they get offended. They, they don't want to talk to you anymore. And they think you're from the devil. And that's not what it's about. It's about to see what is right, what is wrong, and what is, what is true in Scripture. Because at the end of the day, we can't, we can't live something that's not scriptural. Because then we're believing in something that there's not. And then we're believing in a person that didn't say us to do this. How do you believe in do things that somebody didn't tell you to do? I mean, think of it. If you are worshipping this God, why would you do things that this God didn't ask you to do? That's actually against him, in a sense. Alright, so I can really go on this morning about this, but I want to I touch on this subject. A lot of you will know this, but I want to make a teaching about it so people can go and do it for themselves, go read their own Bibles. But I, want, I don't want to go into the negative about Christmas. That's not my, my heart. I want to show you in Scripture why I'm saying what I'm saying. It's easy for me to go into history and say this, this nation did this there, and the pagans did it there, and they did it there, and then we all got this nice story to say Christmas is evil. It's easy to do that. I can go on with hours to do that if I want to, but that's not what I want to do. I want to show you out of Scripture what does the Bible say about Christmas, about celebrating Christ's birthday. What does the Word say? And what have you been taught maybe around this topic over the years um, and not realize what the Bible is actually saying about this? I mean, I've, I've, I've asked this question that I'm going to talk about today with pastors. Man, they get angry sometimes with you if you're asking this question. But they can never answer me the question. They can never give me a counter to what I'm asking them that I'm wrong. They will first get angry and then when they can't defend themselves, they would say, okay, Let's agree to disagree, or whatever the case may be. Some agree and some don't. That's not the point. It's just, let's keep things as to what the Bible is saying. When it comes to anything that we do, not just Christmas. Christmas is just one topic. I can go to Easter. What are we celebrating there? I can go to a lot of things that we as Christians are just blindly doing because we've done it before. But we don't know what the Bible is saying about these topics. So, you get two types of Christians when you look at this Christmas. We're only going to speak about Christmas today. You get two types of Christians. Those that say they don't see it as biblical, and if you, if you celebrate it, you're going to hell. Then you get the others that say, it's a beautiful thing to do. Just, just celebrate Jesus. All right? But they totally sit on different poles. Get those two together and they will fight. Because the one is extreme this way and the other one is extreme this way. I'm not saying you've got to be in between. I'm just saying that's the two types of Christians that you get mostly. You get the ones that's really against Christmas with all the pagan stuff and, and want to make an argument out of it. But yeah, I don't want to go there. I want to go and see what the Bible says. I mean, if we look at the Bible in the Old Testament, when it speaks about the birth of Christ, the first one I want to read you is Isaiah 7 verse 14 it says there therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son 
and shall call his name Emmanuel. So this is being said in the ultimate of the prophecy to say who's going to be born, what he's going to be called. There's a lot of churches in this town that you might have been to or going to or wherever the case may be. They don't believe this. This section here, where is it? This. They're starting to take this out of their doctrines. That this virgin can have a child with, through the Holy Spirit. A lot of Christian churches are starting to take that out of their doctrines. And saying, yeah, but it's maybe not literally what happened there. It's maybe just a, a spiritual thing that happened there. And they're starting to take that out of, out of their doctrines and teachings. But okay, I don't want to go into that. It's just there in the Old Testament, there's a prophecy, Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is in Isaiah, the Old Testament, they said this. Do you realize when you read these wonderful things that is written here, Jesus walked in all of them? Those are the things he came to do. He was the Prince of Peace. Huh? Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Counselor. Five things. You see, it's called five things there. Look there. Wonderful. There's one. Two, Counselor. Three, Mighty God. Everlasting Fathers. Four, Prince of Peace is five. Five in the Bible normally speaks about grace, anointing. Everywhere the number five is used in the Bible. That fullness of, of that it walks in. You can go and look every time five is used in the Bible. All right. If I want to quickly have a, give you a little background in history. Remember I said I'm not going to teach in history. I want to give you a quick background in history. Many Christians celebrate, uh, many Christians celebrate Christmas and other festivals, like I said. For whatever reason they believe it is. Uh, Christmas, Santa Claus, the tree, giving gifts. Those are the things that we commonly associate with Christmas. You'll have a tree in your house, Santa Claus will be somewhere there. What is that thing, where's Lydia, that the people doing on YouTube or Facebook now with the elf? Because the elf, huh? Elf on the shelf, yeah. Uh, see, there's a lot of things there. So, there's a lot of things that the people are doing to celebrate Christmas, okay? And we, as believers, just blindly follow and do these things over the years and yeah, let's see, what, what are we supposed to do? So like I said, we blindly do things and follow things in traditions. My mom did it this way, I'm doing it this way. The previous Christians did it this way, now I'm doing things this way. So we follow these things. You will most commonly hear out of history, the main reason or the place where Christianity and Christmas collided and came one is out of history of worshipping the sun god. That's one of the big things you will hear people say. They started worshiping the sun god, which came with Christmas. If you want to know the sun god's name, it's Nimrod. And that's where Christianity was birthed in a certain way. The, the, the Christianity Christmas was birthed in a certain way by worshiping that. That's why sometimes when you see a lot of, you know, the old cards we had, the Christmas cards, we always have a sun prominently in the birthday card because it was to do with Nimrod and the sun god. Again, I don't want to go into that stuff. Because people can keep you very busy with those things. There's a lot of things to talk about that. You can go look at Saturnalia um, if you want to see how evil Santa Claus is. Where is his origins from? Because the Christians will say, no, there was a good guy making toys and all that. But there's a very evil side to Saturnalia. 
where Christmas comes from, um, Santa. It's funny, the Santa guy works with wood, makes toys. It's funny, Jesus also worked with wood. Eh? There's a lot of links and things that you will see. But Saturnalia, Satanism, I always say if you change the letters of Santa, you will actually get Satan. <laughs> Unfortunately. But there's a lot of evil stuff connected with, 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 with children and Santa. And again, I don't want to go into that. You can go do your own search in history. You've got the internet. You can go and look it up at that stuff. I always, when I grew up, I never understood the, 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 the thing with we had a tree. Why Santa on the tree and, 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 and then Jesus is on the tree with his little, we had those little ones. I can remember, you know, with Jesus in the crib and Mary sitting next to him. Those little plastic things you hang on the tree. Then I have Santa Claus next to him. And I said, young child, I can remember. I never could get the, how does this work? But it works. That's all I knew. Um, it works, so that's okay. That's how I thought. I can really remember how I sat and thought, how does these things work together? Because I see both of them in church also. But I don't know, it's not in the Bible, but it just works. So it's cool. We do it. That's how I thought. Um, we find the tree that we use, the, the Christmas tree that we people buy or go get in the forest every year. We read about the tree in the Bible. Uh, for those that don't know, in Jeremiah 10, you can go read about the tree in the Old Testament. I'm just going to quote you verse 3 and 4 here. For the custom of the peoples are vanity. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the works of the hands of the workmen with an axe. They deck it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails, with hammers, that it move not. But I want you to realize that most of those things, the tree, Santa Claus, comes from paganism. It's a pagan belief. It's a pagan festival. That the Christians, and there's so many views on how it crept into the church, through the Catholic Church, how it crept in. Martha Luther, there's people that will say Martha Luther allowed it in because he had a lot of pagans in his community and to get the pagans to come to his church he will allow these festivals in his church so that it would come there's, there's a lot of things like I say in history you can hear all sorts of stories about all these things how it came in which ones are true? I don't know but that's why I want to focus on the word because that stays truth history might be a bit wrong here and a bit wrong there but the bottom line is all these things come out of pagan beliefs and worshipping if I today ask Christians, why do you celebrate this day, Christmas? They would say, it's to say thank you to Jesus. It's a good idea to have Christmas, to say thank you to Jesus. Um, we don't, they would say, we, we might not believe in Santa Claus, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful day, and we, we celebrate Jesus and his birth. We even call it different names these days. Christ festivals of Jesus uh, what is it? Jesus' fears, or what is it? Uh, Christus' fears, 
See how we change things to, to fit our beliefs. None of those names are in your Bible. But we've given it names that's not even in the Bible to make it a thing. Because it's not a thing. We've got all these funny names that we're adding to it. And then I, I love it when I talk to somebody about that, 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 and they go and they say, oh, but we, we just want to say thank you for Jesus' birth and it's just a nice family day. <coughs> but is it what you're calling it to be? Is it that day? Are you talking the truth or are you lying? Why, why are you saying what you're saying? Because you're defending it most of the time if somebody asks you that. And I never go into argument about those things. It's not worth going into arguments about these things. People must know the word so that the Holy Spirit can guide them what to do at the end of the day. But yeah, today people got all these funny things. Um, most churches next Sunday will have Santa Claus in their churches, will give you gifts in their services, will have something to do with Santa Claus or a tree in their services. Most churches will do that next week. Like most churches have an Easter bunny or something. I mean, I've seen churches in this town with massive blown up dolls of bunnies and stuff at Easter. And Santa Clauses. I've seen massive Santa Clauses. You know, those that you put in front of you, blow the wind in it and they stand up. I've seen it in the churches here. They've got a Santa Claus in front of them. So, Christians are celebrating and going into these festivals and, and, and making it a, a Christian thing, which might not be a thing. So, if I really want to go into, like I said, if I really want to go into detail to give you a hiding about how bad and evil Christmas is, it's very easy to do that, but I don't want to go that route. Um, I can point out a lot of bad and evil things to do with Christmas that will make you scared even. But that's not why we're here. We want to glorify Jesus in everything we do. But we must, as believers, start realizing that we mustn't take things of the enemy, give it a different name and make it ours. Now all of a sudden, like I say, Christmas is born out of pagan beliefs. No more said a Christus feast. And now we celebrate it because it's okay. Because we've given it this name. We don't like Santa Claus and all the elves and stuff. Oh, it's evil, that stuff. But we will just celebrate Christ on that day. But we do it with all the added stuff in it. All right? The tables get decorated with all these things that we do. Um, and we're actually just busy with the pagan beliefs while we're having our Sunday or Christmas lunch. So now, I want to give you an example. Is it okay if I say, listen, my family hasn't got money. We're hungry. So I go out and I start stealing food. It's a good thing to do. My family hasn't got food. So I go out and I start stealing food to feed my family. It's got a good foundation, doesn't it? I mean, there's a need. I'm tending to the need of my family. Does that make it right to do that? No, it's still the foundation is still I'm stealing. That's what we do as Christians with a lot of stuff in the Bible. We make it sound and look good to suit what our need is, but it's not still not good, it's still evil or it's still wrong, whatever the way you want to portray it. It doesn't change the foundation of it, all right? I want the Word to dictate what's right and wrong, not your traditions or beliefs or what you think. The Bible must always be our, our compass showing us what does the Bible point us to? Christ. Christ, Christ, Christ. That's what the Bible should point us to. 
But a lot of believers don't read the Bible. They don't know what's standing in the Bible. They don't know what's written there. So they apply whatever they were told somewhere, sometime, and they think it's right. Because they are either too lazy to read their own Bible, or they don't have the time to read their Bible, they don't make the time, whatever the excuse is. Most of the stuff that you believe in your Bible that's wrong is because you're not reading your Bible, actually, as yourself. You're still running with traditions. All right. And I, th- I believe we are in a time where the Lord is starting to open up man's eyes to their mistakes. To bring them to him, back to him in holiness again. His spirit is opening up evil things that we are doing so that we can step into holiness again. And he's doing that. For years he didn't do anything much about it. Nobody cared about Christmas, about uh, Easter, all those things. Nobody cared for years. But all of a sudden you can see there's a shift happening. And those that here are following the shift to walk like Christ walked. And stop doing these things that we were told to do what's okay and they start saying okay maybe this is not the thing for me anymore all right so let's look at the bible i want to focus on jesus like i said and let's take the story in luke luke 2 verse 7 i'm going to start reading there there's two places two two parables in your bible luke and matthew that talks about the birth of christ And we're going to read this one, Luke 2, verse 7. As she brought forth her firstborn son, and she she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. So he's talking about Mary giving birth to Jesus, okay? And laid him in a manger. All right, remember this word manger. I I explained it to you previous time. Let me give you a quick recap. This is how it looked back in the day. This was all houses. They had a fence around it. You entered in here. This is where all the animals was in here. In this thing. There the food was thrown for the animals. They said the people stayed here in these little houses. Around the animals in the middle. So Mary and Joseph came in. All these houses were occupied. So they said there's only one place up in the manger. It's this little place here. This one here. Where the animals were sleeping. That's the only place they had open for the night. And that's why they went in there. Right? That's where the animals got fed. That's why Jesus lay on the hay. Because there was hay, it was food for the animals. There was sheep in there. The people that stayed in there, the animals were kept safe inside there. Alright? That's a manger. Alright, I hope that sketch could help you understand what that word manger means. Alright? Because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds in the same country abiding in the field. Again, so this is where the inn is that I just showed you. And it's saying to you, just outside of the inn were shepherds looking after the sheep. Alright? And keeping watch by night over the flock. As the trade of a shepherd was, they stayed with their sheep always. Alright? Sheep knew their shepherd's voice back then. Back then the shepherd walked in front of the sheep calling them, not behind them with a whip like we do today. That's why Jesus says, my, my sheep know my voice. And an angel of the Lord stood by them. By who? The shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good tithing of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. 
Alright, so here the angels are coming and they're proclaiming the birth of Christ. Alright, these poor shepherds sitting out in the field, they must have been very scared when they saw this supernatural thing. I mean, this is not just a little thing happening here. This is a major thing happening here. It's not just one angel coming down. You will see there's a couple of angels coming down to, to visit these shepherds. It must have been an awesome sight to see. And they just sitting there in the field, talking, making jokes around the fire. Next thing, all these angels appear in their glory. And then it says, and this is the sign unto you. So they're talking to the shepherds now, to you. He's saying, you shall find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. So he's saying to them, you, you shepherds, you will find a baby there, a babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. Remember the manger. You're lying in the manger. And he's saying, you will find the babe there, the baby. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. What's so beautiful when they say, they say heavenly host. I think there were more than angels there. There's more than just angels in heaven, for those that don't know. They're saying everything came and praised Him. Not just the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men in whom He, shall, in who he is well pleased. And it came to pass when the angels went away from them, into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. Man, I think you would have ran too if you just had a visitation by the angels and they told you where to go. They came with haste and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. I mean, I think we all would have had a bit of extra speed in our walk and realized those shepherds just left their sheep there they didn't even worry about their sheep for wolves and stuff they, you don't hear the sheep went with them they walked quickly I think they actually ran I think we would also so in this parable I just read to you you will notice it made mention of the baby two places in verse 12 and I think in the last one, verse 16, it was, talks about you will find a baby. All right, there's a babe. There's a baby. That word baby in Greek is called a brios. B-R-E-P-H-O-S. A brios in Greek. That means it is a baby just born. Easy to remember it. B for brios, breastfeeding. It's easy, still a baby drinking from mommy, a baby, all right? In the Greek, it makes, you will see in the Greek, if they mention a, a child or a, a, a baby or a grown-up, it uses a Greek word, always in your Bibles, to say what age group they are. That's a brand newborn baby that it says there. So they're saying, it, this, this angel's coming to the, to the shepherd saying to them, if you go to that manger there, you will find a newly born baby there and they went there and they say they did found the newly born baby at the manger there all right and when they saw it they made known concerning and saying which was spoken to them about this child so talking about the shepherd's study and all that heard it wondered at the things yeah yeah and all look at that 
These guys didn't keep quiet, these shepherds. They moved all over the place, telling the people what just happened. I mean, they were on fire. They, they moved around. They're saying, they, and all that heard it wondered at the things which were spoken unto them. Who? The, them by the shepherds. So the shepherds were going to people telling them what they've just seen happen. The Messiah, Emmanuel, he's born. The baby is born. The, our Savior is born. Angels appeared us. They're running around telling people we would have done the same. You would not care whether that person was from a reformed church or from a charismatic church. You would have ran to them and told them exactly what you've just seen or witnessed. But this is so beautiful for me. But Mary, like a typical mother here, Mary kept all things saying, pondering them in her heart. Huh? Typical mother. She doesn't go like us men running around telling all everything. She just keeps it here because it was near and dear to her what she just experienced with the birth of Jesus. She knew what the angel told her who he's going to be one day. So she, she kept that because it came to fulfillment, to fullness, him being born. Now let's read in another place in the Bible where we read about this story. And this is in Matthew 2. There we read again about Jesus, all right? The baby. Let's see. Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. All right? So we know the story. We're going to read about the wise men. So first of all, what you should realize now, which was like a... It blew my mind when I first heard it. That's, oh, they're not in the same parable. The wise men and the shepherds are not in the same parable. Because I didn't know my Bible either. They're two separate stories. They're not in the same story. I always just thought they were both in the same story because they got to do with Jesus' birth. But they're not. All right? There's two separate places in the Bible that it's written. The one just writes about the shepherds. In Luke, Matthew writes about the wise men that came. All right? So, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there was come wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Okay, let's go and read word for word. When Jesus was born, they, listen what it's saying. Now, when Jesus was born, so he's already born. The time he was born was when this king, Herod, was ruling. We spoke about Herod when I spoke about Satan and the fall of Satan and all that stuff. But it's saying that there came wise men from the east where are they coming from? from the east they don't stay around the corner in Bethlehem or Jerusalem they are coming from the east so there's something you must already pick up here they're not from around there they're coming from somewhere saying where is he that is born king of the Jews you see how they still see it is king of the Jews. They don't realize yet what the whole thing is about this. They're coming for the king of the Jews. For we have seen his star. We have seen his star in the east. Where are they coming from? From the east. So in the east, they've already seen the star. Where they are coming from. You were taught it's only shining above Bethlehem. The star. In your Bible stories that I learned at Sunday schools and the plays. That's not what it's saying there. These guys saying, we saw this star in the east. Because we're coming from the east. And are come to worship him. They're saying, we're coming here to worship him. This one. Alright? Worship. That's what that word means, worship. It's not singing to him like we would think. 
That's the Greek word, proskonio. It says, show reverence, to kneel down, to adore. That's what they're coming to do, these wise men. They're coming to kneel down to this one that's born, to adore him. Reverence. It's a bit different than we're singing. It's not like, they're not coming to praise and worship. They probably couldn't sing well, like me. So, Matthew 2 verse 3, I'm going to continue with the story. When Herod the king had heard these things, what did he hear? These guys coming for the Messiah, they came from the east. When he heard all of these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. I mean, look at this. He was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. So a couple of people heard about this. Guys that came from the east looking for a Messiah. And he was troubled by it and a lot of people in Jerusalem. So nobody knew he was born. They didn't know he was born. Because if they knew he was born, they would have said, okay, yeah, we know about it, just around the corner there, it's a manger, he would be there, like you think. But I'm going to show you now, it's not what's in your Bible. Verse 4, And when he had gathered all the chiefs, priests, and scribes, he's calling all the guys with the papers, eh? with the degrees and the diplomas, he's calling them together, this king. He demanded of them where Christ should be born. So why is he calling these guys? Because they knew the five books of the Bible they had back then, the Torah. These guys studied the Torah. And he called those guys and said, what does the Torah say? Where would this Christ be born? So he doesn't know. He doesn't know. So these guys, knowing the Torah, will answer him. Um, And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophets. So they knew out of the Torah, when the Savior is born, remember I read Josiah in the beginning, what they said, the Savior will be born. Um, he's going to be in Bethlehem. Alright? And thou Bethlehem, verse 6, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the, prince, uh, the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Alright? So they, there's the prophecy. The Jews read that as war. They thought he was going to come make war there when Jesus gets born. But they didn't realize that rule was to rule them in their spirit and truth, not in warfare against the Romans. But Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had privately private, I put in that word there that you understand what it means, called the wise men, acquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Remember, we said in the beginning, they said they are coming from the east and they saw the star in the east. So they told Herod this. Herod calls in these, these guys that's supposed to be very wise and know the Torah. He calls them in. And then he calls asks the wise men here. He asks them this question. But listen to the wording in the Bible. It says there, then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men. So he's doing this in secret, calling the wise men in. Acquired of them diligently or exactly it's a different word in your translations what time the star appeared why is he asking about the timing of the star because the Wyman said they saw the star where in the east 
So he's wanting to make some mathematical equations here out of what he heard from the wise man that we just read. And he's calling it, I don't think he had the, the, the capability, it's probably like me, bad in maths, to work this sum out. So he called the wise man in to say, I need a bit of help you to make a sum out of this that these guys just told me to work this out. Alright? Let's continue. I want to show you. That's a map. That's where the wise men came from. There. That's a star. They saw the star there, the Bible says. They saw the star there, the Bible said. In the east. And they said they followed it. But now, they are here. Can you see that there? They are here now. So what did these guys do, these wise men? They had to travel all this way to get there. They said it. We traveled from the east. We saw the star on the east. King Herod asked the wise men, how long time was this? What is he trying to figure out? How long has this journey been? And if you don't believe him, I'm going to read it to you. It actually says it in your Bible. I don't have to give you something that you must, I'm figuring out here. Because remember it said he diligently, in other words, exactly, he asked him, what time did the star appear? Because where's the star now? Yeah. There's my star again. The star's here now. In Bethlehem. And he's asking them, what time did the star appear? And the wise men said it appeared in, in the east. But we're going to continue to make it more sense. If you're still struggling to believe me, I can see some of you are frowning. You will get there. I went and looked at this a bit. I did my own mathematical equations. And I looked at the wise men in the, on Google work this out for me what they are saying about this traveling they travel by camel mostly the wise men they say a guy in camel in the desert approximately walked 16 to 18 kilometers 10 miles a day if you were doing good that's how far you can walk a day with a camel in the desert so they worked it out the miles you see at the bottom there is 9,125 or 14,685 Kilometers they had to travel from where I just showed you previously. Um, okay, now I'm going further. There, that distance, <coughs> that distance to travel there, they worked it out, is 14,685 kilometers. They traveled 16 kilometers to 18 kilometers a day. It took them two years to make that journey. To walk from where they came from in the east to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem. The math even proves that that's how long it took. Alright, but still I'm going to give you more. Because you still might not believe that I'm talking the truth here. So let's continue reading the Bible. What does it say? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for this young child. So King Herod saying to these wise men, Go and look for this child, because he asked his wise men where the child is born. So he says, Go look for this young child. And when you have found him, bring me a word again, that I may come and worship him also. Alright, again, worship him, to bring reverence to him. He wants to do that. 
When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over the young child. This child, I want you to picture this. He's standing in Jerusalem, talking to King Herod. When he stepped outside the gate of Jerusalem, the star was there. And it started moving again. That's what the Bible is saying. And it moved and it stopped where? At the child. Because remember, they were following this star all the way from the east. This star was moving the whole time. It even moved here, from Jerusalem to where Jesus was. They were still following the star. Alright? But I want you to see something here. So this star is not in the east anymore. It's now here in Jerusalem. It went and it traveled. The same one they saw in the east. It went before them again. It moved. If I really want to be prophetic, the star would not enter wherever man is, man's made things are in Jerusalem. Where man is doing stuff. He's, the Lord always works outside the structure, the system. He stood outside the system waiting till they stepped out the system and then he followed again. That might go over some of your heads, but those that get it, think about it. Religion, Jesus never mingles with that. You're always outside, everywhere outside. Most of the times Jesus prayed was outside where the, where the Pharisees and the scribes were. Most of the time he would do it outside the cities and stuff because yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't mingle with that much. But yeah, I want to put emphasis on something here. It says here, a young child. This is your King James Bible, okay? So I'm not using a different translation or a, a, a one that you don't believe in. It says, a young child was there. But you were taught there was a what there? A baby. When the wise men got there. There your Bible says, a young child was there. That word child. It's a pydon. Remember the Greek meaning of the words? Remember the baby we read in Matthew was a brios. They don't use that word here. They use a young child. A pydon. A pydon. There you can see. I wrote it there for you. Look at that. That's a pydon. A child between 2 and 12. That's a pydon. He just turned 2. So these wise men found a child, your Bible says, not a baby, and the Bible calls him a pydon, meaning he's two years old, when the wise men got there. Let's continue, Matthew 2 verse 10. I'm still going to give you more stuff that you see I'm talking to, if you still don't believe me. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, and when they will come into the house you see it doesn't say manger to the house and then you're going to say no but they probably just translated it wrongly there they saw the young child Pidon with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him remember they wanted to bring reverence to him praise him they said that's why they're coming. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's a teaching on his own. 
why they gave those three specific things in the natural and in the spiritual side of it. There's two reasons. But we're not going to go there today because we're talking about Christmas. But there's three things. Always when you see three, God is in, is in busy there. He's in control of what he's doing there. And there's three things mentioned. Remember faith, hope, love. All those things, three things. Here's another three things. So they bring a gift. Now, please tell me this. He's, I just said to you, Jesus is how old here? Two years old. What does a two-year-old do with those gifts? Is he going to play with a mirror outside in the, in the, the dirt? Is he going to throw the gold up and down? That's nice gifts for Jesus, eh? Gold. They bring in Jesus gold. What does a child of two years want to do with gold? Where's Lily? If I give Lily now gold, what's she going to do with it? She's going to flush it down the toilet. She doesn't know the value of it. She's not going to understand what Marie is. Do you see the gifts was not for Jesus, but because of Jesus, they brought the gifts. And let's be honest, we all were told, that's why we give presents on Christmas, because the wise men brought presents. Am I lying or am I talking the truth? I heard so many teachings on that. We bring gifts on Christmas because the wise men brought the gifts. That's why all Christians when I ask them about Christmas, they say, no, we're celebrating just Jesus' birth and we give gifts to one another. And then when you say, why are you giving gifts? They're all the answers. Well, I've never had anybody answer me differently because the wise men brought gifts, so we are still bringing gifts today. But here I've just said, he was two years old. These gifts will suck to that child if you give him that. Go give your child those gifts today. He's going to cry and not be happy with you. Because you wanted Paw Patrol and Barbie and a gun and a car and you're giving him a golden mirror and incense. What must he do with that? There's different beliefs why those gifts were given um, specifically in the natural. I firmly believe those gifts were given because they could sell it. Those were worth so much money back in the day. Thousands upon thousands of rand or, or dollars worth of stuff if you had to translate it to today's value that was enough money for them to travel and move around because shortly after this they had to move they had enough money to go to egypt we're going to read about it now and live there for years comfortably with that money they got from those gifts there see how god provided for them he sent guys from the east remember the map i showed you to bring those three things that would give them enough money to go to Egypt and stay there for years. Why did they have to stay there for years? Because they had to wait for King Herod to die. We're going to read it now. Verse 12. And being warned by, of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country other way. So the wise men are taking a different detour move back to the east. Alright? Why? Because King Herod wanted to kill them. And he wanted to kill the child. Because the child's a threat for him. Alright. Verse 13. Here we read about the flight to Egypt. That's why I said the gifts were given. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take your child, eh, child, and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Remember when I spoke about Satan, I gave you the verse that in, it's in Zechariah, where he said, he's gonna, the snake 
the dragon is going to come for the child. This is it. Here it's happening. Here it's coming for the child. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt came I call my son. You see, they stayed there for a while in Egypt. I mean, if you have to travel to Joburg now, it's going to cost you a bit of money to travel there, and it's going to cost you money to set up house there, pay the rent deposits and everything. You need a bit of money to travel. Back then, they also needed money to travel. The camel had to eat, they had to eat, they had to get a new house in Egypt. It cost money. They had money now, because they could sell the gold and the incense and the mirror. They could use that for money, and it was worth I mean, you can go and Google how much that was worth. I didn't do that. I know I did it before. It's a lot, a lot of money. All right, so we continue verse 16. So we just read this whole story about Herod. Then we hear what was Herod's plan to kill the child, to kill, to get rid of the wise men. Now we continue with the story in verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, because he heard the wise men went the other way, was exceeding wrath and sent forth, so he was angry, and sent forth and slew all the children, again it doesn't say babies, the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof from two years old and under. Why two years old and under? Let me first ask you this question. Where did this happen in the Bible? Where else did this happen in the Bible? Moses. Because Moses was the Messiah of the Old Testament. Yet Jesus is the ultimate Messiah. Do you see the thing repeats itself always? Moses, everybody was killed two years and younger. The, 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 savior, of the, the, the savior of the law, if you want to call him that. Moses. He was seen as the law, the guy of the law. When he stepped in, every child two years and younger had to be killed. When the Savior comes, Jesus Christ gets born, every child to year gets killed again. The enemies attack. He attacks the same way twice. First Savior of the law, he did that, and then when Jesus came, he tried it again. He wants to kill the dragon, I said, want to kill this line, this Jesus, he wants to stop him. He had to kill him there. Alright? So, uh, two years old, and according to now, this is the thing that should nail it for you, that you will never forget this again. Why did he kill Eric child two years and younger? According to the time, remember we read Herod was working out the time with his wise men, which he could diligently acquire of the wise men. Now, think of it. He had to work out the time that the wise men took. It says there, um, from two years old and under, according to the time. So he's saying, this two years is worked out according to the time given to us. When he made his maths, out of the time it took to travel those 14,000 kilometers to Bethlehem, he saw, to Jerusalem, he saw, he took them, how many? Two years. To travel because the star was first there the star moved guys from there all the way they didn't have a road map they followed the star from the east because they saw it there the first time we read it they followed the star and it stopped outside of jerusalem and they went in 
and then it moved again. He worked out, the Bible just, I read it to you, how long it took them to travel. And he worked it out, it's two years, and he said, kill every boy two years and younger. If he worked it out three years, he would have said, kill every boy three years and younger. But because of the time that the wise men worked it out, he said, kill all the boys two years and younger. Because he knew Jesus was around about that age when the wise men came there. And he said, kill them all. All right? It says, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentations and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her child, and would not be comforted because they are not. All right? This is the prophecy that was spoken about this. Then it just says, verse 19, But then Herod was dead. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in the dream to Joseph in Egypt, and they came back. All right? Guys, I'm going to read this again for you. Verse 16, you must get this. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wrath, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently acquired from the wise men. He didn't want to take any chances. That's why he didn't just kill them in Bethlehem, even the coastal areas around there. He killed all the boys. Man, there was a lot of kids being killed there. Can you imagine that? We read it and we don't think about it. Not just in Bethlehem, which was a big place, around Bethlehem. It was a big region that they covered there. Bethlehem was a small place, but the region around there, there's a lot of people that stayed there in the coastal area stuff. They killed all their children, the two years and younger. I mean, can you imagine that night? We have Christmas on that day. So, in this story I just read to you, do you see that I only read about wise men, not shepherds? Nowhere were there any mention about shepherds here, just wise men. In this story, Jesus is two years old. He's a, a, a python. Not a brioche, a baby anymore. I mean, the scripture actually says it in detail. This is how it was worked out. You don't need the Holy Spirit even to figure that out. It says it in your Bible. Why haven't you read it then? Why haven't you read this before that I'm reading you now? Because somebody has told you differently and they placed a veil over your eyes and you believe a lie. I want you to get what I'm saying now. That's how it works. That's how the enemy works. He will give you a lie. The work of that lie is to put a veil over your eyes. And what that veil does is every time you read your Bible, you will read the lie. And you will not see the truth because the lie, the veil covers Christ. That's a work of a veil. The veil kept people from the holies of holies. Why do you think Paul's eyes were opened? What did he have over his eyes, those scales? It was a veil full of religious teachings. And they had to get rid of it so they could see Christ. And from there, when the veil was removed, when Paul could see, he could see Christ. All those old doctrines that he learned in the Bible schools were taken off. And he could see what was written in the scriptures that he knew word for word. All of a sudden, when he read the scriptures, after his eyes were opened, he could see Jesus in every page, in every verse. 
That's why you couldn't see it because nobody has lifted that veil. I cannot lift the veil. I can give you the truth. The Holy Spirit lifts the veil. But I want you to understand there's so many things we believe in our Bible that is given to us through traditions that you were taught and it's placed a veil of your eyes and you can read that thing, you would never see it. Because that veil will make you blind to read what is actually written in your Bible. That's how the spiritual world works. And if you don't believe me, just look at how you believe before this now. I want you to see this whole story in, in Matthew. It's a different time, a different place. That's why when I told you about Satan that fallen, it's in that period. From birth to here that Satan was kicked out of heaven. Remember when I did that teaching? It's in this time. There are a lot of things happened in that time. Eh? Satan lost his power. Jesus was born. Herod tried to kill him. The world systems and the religious systems tried to kill him. And they all failed here. Yeah, because it wasn't the time yet. The Lord supernaturally gives three guys the prophecy and the understanding of the prophecy to travel from the east to go to Jerusalem to acquire where this one is born because they know we've been on this camel's backs for two years so he's grown up a bit now because remember he must get this when the, when the shepherds saw the star when they were in the, in the field when Jesus was born that meant that star was also in coming all the way from the east supernatural stuff happening here and this, they followed the star, they said, the whole time. Alright? They followed it. So you should not have after now any more doubts that the story in Luke about the wise men are not biblically at all. The gifts that you were giving your children for Christmas because of Jesus' birth, it's a lie. He was not born. The wise men did not bring him gifts. It was gifts for them as family, for the child to survive. Because of the child being there, the parents would get the gift. But this is where Christians get the idea of giving gifts. Um, so, look at this. That's the image we all know. Huh? You all have seen those images, but you see the problems here? Here's a problem. They were not in that story. They must be deleted. These guys, they are in the story. These guys are not in the birth of Jesus' story. But somebody placed a veil over your eye, that's why you believe that image. I mean, look at this. I can remember when I was very young, I was still in school in Leisner. I, was a, I think I was a shepherd. In a play, some of you have been in a play in school or in church or wherever of this. this the, let's, let's see, maybe you were a shepherd or a, a wise man or whatever the case may be. But this is what we're teaching our kids. And do you see that we are teaching our kids pagan stuff? It's not what's in your Bible even. And your kids are doing this and you're all praising them. Ooh. I'm not saying you're going to hell because of this. I'm just saying you're teaching your kids stuff that's not in your Bible. The God that you worship never did these things, never asked you to do these things. They are all man's works made up. Just to give you an idea, in my, in my family, 
Remember I said, I'm not going to give you a hiding here. I'm going to make it practical. I just gave you the, the word to show you why it's not there. Nowhere in your Bible, anywhere, will you find a phrase saying, you must worship the birth of Jesus Christ. It's not in your Bible. Just for that sake, knowing your Bible is there that you must worship your birthday. It's also a pagan thing. Because you worship yourself. Me, myself and I. But that's not, nothing wrong with it. It's not a religious thing. But if you want to do that, just don't put yourself on a pedestal. Put Jesus on the pedestal. But knowing your Bible doesn't say you must do anything for Jesus' birthday. But that's when the Christians, when you say that, and then they say, Oh, but you know... Such a beautiful thing, the lights and the and the decorations we put on the tables. It's so beautiful. We love that time of the year. Yeah, but it's, if you're a Christian, why are you doing something that's against the God you're worshiping? He never asked you to do that. You're doing something directly, actually pagan rituals through that. It's nowhere in your Bible. For me, when somebody still does the Christian thing, it shows me their spiritual growth where they are because I want to give you an example when we got saved I had a nice Christmas tree I always bought the big ones yeah ons manne soek ons al die grootse boome in he grootse bakkies en karamel al die groot goed bought a big tree and all the nice trimmings and everything on it huh? and we had a Jesus festival Christus feast eh? and I got saved and we enjoyed Christmas we, we did it out of good heart we were not evil we we did it for Jesus. A couple of years later, two, three years later, I started realizing, mm, this is not in the Bible, the way we're doing it. So what did we do as a family? We decided, okay, let's get rid of all the Santa Claus stuff and all that stuff. Let's just have a tree with some lights and like nice golden and silver balls. You know, those beautiful balls, you get the matte ones these days. and We put that on the tree. So we didn't have any more of the pagan stuff on the tree. We took off all the Santa Clauses and the elves and all that and we just kept the balls on the tree. And we enjoyed it. And then the year after that I said to her, mm, this tree is not so biblical. I'm going to build us a, a tree out of pallet wood. You know, the, I still see they do it today and I'm talking about a couple of years back. Those, you know those that you buy in the, the markets and stuff, that pallet that they cut out in the tree and it's just got more, little lights or something on the top here? Yeah, I made one of those. Huh? And we had that in the house. And after that year, I said to my wife, mm, this is still not Jesus. This is still wrong. And we got rid of it. And we never had anything again. And I don't care. It doesn't bug me. I'm not worried about it. But I want you to see, why did we go through those phases as a family? Because as we were growing, the Holy Spirit started showing us stuff, and we were learning. He didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't come in and kick down my tree the first year, and says, you evil worshipping pagans, and kick down my tree, and the tree fell, and the kids are crying. He never did that. The Holy Spirit just came gently and said, just check, and you hear stuff, and you grow, and you learn, and you see, and then the next year you say, okay, let's get rid of this. And the next year the Holy Spirit comes and says, yeah, that was good. But maybe a bit more must be done. And then you do that again. You see why I'm saying, even with Christmas, um, Easter, it shows a lot about where people are in their growth with Christ. 
Because it's what are you allowing the Holy Spirit to come and teach you to get rid of? And all of us have to go through those things. Some of us still have to. But there's nothing wrong with if you have to go through that. The only thing is, are you going to listen and do what he tells you now, or are you going to keep with the traditions that you were used to before? But we went through a, a, a phase in going through and understanding this. So we got rid of everything. Now we don't, like I said, we don't have anything. And I don't have a problem going to Uber Street or wherever to look at the lights. I don't mind looking at the lights. I'm just not going to have lights and stuff. I will take the little one to go look at the lights and all that, but I'm not going to do that in my house. I will have lights then and I will have lights in the year. It's not about the day anymore. And I'm not going to go into the teaching about what day is Christmas Day. Nobody knows exactly what day Jesus was birthed. I can just tell you now with all assurance, it's not the 25th. Just know that. That did not happen the 25th of December. He was not born on that day. But yeah, that's not important. The next question people ask me is, yeah, but what about the gifts, your children? I mean, you're used to giving them gifts. What do we do now? So people get and understand, oh, Christmas is actually a pagan day and, and it's all wrong that I read that Jesus was even born and the wise men were not even there. So what do you do with your children now with gifts? Huh? What do you do? Your family. They want to eat. What do you eat? Gammon uh, and tongue and all this stuff and chicken and they want to eat and what do you do now? Because your tradition said you must, you, that's what we did here. So how do you deal with this now? And let's deal with it in a, in a good way. Let's not become religious with these things. I'm going to give you my family's example. You must do what you feel in it. When all the years when my children were still in school, we gave them a gift on the 25th. Like every other child would get a gift on the 25th for Christmas. But I taught them from day one, this gift has got nothing to do with Jesus or his birth or with Christianity. I'm buying them a gift for the year's work in school. That was our family's decision to buy them that day for the year's work in school. We will give them a little gift there to say thank you for their hard work in school. The only reason we gave it on that date is not because it's Christmas, it's because everybody else is getting it. You don't want your child to feel left out when they go to their friends and saying, what did you get? And they say, oh, nothing. Children don't understand that. Don't put your child in a disadvantage with the other kids. You're not doing it uh, any evil when you do that. It's just, we decide on that. With your family, you have a year in function at your work, have a year in function with your family on the 25th. Honor them on that day. You don't have to know, I can't do anything now on the 25th, it's evil. Don't become religious about these things. Know the truth and walk in the truth. Then these other things won't face you. Because these guys that are so extreme about Christmas again, they walk in such a religious way in condemning everybody to hell if they just do anything. We honor Jesus every day, not on the 25th. So, have on the 25th, your parents still do the, the big lunch, do it with them, love them, enjoy them that day. Have a family year in function there. Teach your kids from a young age, Christmas is not from Jesus. They don't need to know it's evil yet. Just tell them it's not Jesus, it's wrong what the people are teaching you. But we will still give you a gift to say thank you for your hard work the year in the school and you tried your best. Remember you give a child for their best, not for getting an A or B. 
for doing their best and you, you give them something on that day as a gift. Because you know how it feels if, you, if your friends receive gifts and you didn't. And they don't understand that. But when your child understands this and they're out of school, they don't write exams anymore, then you don't give them a gift anymore. Because now that it's spot. Because why are you giving them a gift then afterwards? Because they could work at the work there in the year? It's your choice. But then it becomes a bit ridiculous again. But like I said in the beginning, the Lord is opening people's eyes to see what is the word saying about his birth and what we must do to become holy like he is holy. The Holy Spirit does make, makes you holy. You can't make yourself holy. Stop sinning will not make you holy. Through the Holy Spirit asking you to stop, that will help you. Um, a tree with lights, I cannot put that in my house. Because the only thing in my Bible says there's a tree with some reverence to a tree is the one Jesus hanged on. It was not one with lights, it was a pagan one. The only tree that the Bible mentions that's got any worth for me is the one that Jesus hang on. It's got worth for me, Jesus hated that tree that he hanged on. It's a torture rack. But for me, that shows me what he did for me. That's the only tree that I will even put in my house. It's a cross. Alright? The last one that, that the women use, the excuse most women give me is when they talk about Jesus and they talk about his birth and they they realize they're wrong in celebrating Christmas and they got their famous verse, woman, the ladies. No, but Jesus knows my heart. Huh? That's why I'm celebrating his birth. He knows my heart. Even though it's not in the Bible, I'm still going to do it. No, I'm still going to have my, my Santa Claus here on the side of my tree in there. And Man, that's so wrong. You should know Jesus' heart, that he doesn't do that thing. He doesn't need to know your heart. He knows your heart, you're doing a wrong thing. You need to know him. Not say he must know you. Oh, Jesus came my heart. No, of course he knows your heart. You're doing something that's actually not him. He never asked you to do it. It's not biblical to do it. Your beliefs doesn't say he must do it. So stop using that excuse. It just shows you doesn't know what the Bible is saying actually. That's why you're throwing that one out there. That's for all the ladies out there that have done that. We're not condemning you. Just realize you need to know his heart, what the word is saying about this thing. Not what you want. And again, otherwise I can steal from my children for food and it's okay. It's the same thing I'm applying there. Alright, so let's, let's grow to maturity like Paul asked and get over these, these sinful things. Because, I mean, that's still, I mean, I can quote your Bibles where the Bible in the Old Testament said God will reject you for worshipping any other God. I can really lay it on thick for you if you want to, that he will reject you for doing stuff like this. Alright, so, but let's not go there. The only thing in the Bible that we are asked to honor concerning Jesus Christ is the cross and most importantly his resurrection. That is what you must walk in every day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, not his birth. Please stop doing this living Jesus thing. It's not biblical. I mean, Aubrey, I'm going to use you as an example now. Imagine Aubrey, he had his birthday recently. Imagine every year we're going to get together and we're going to say, oh, we're going to go to Aubrey, uh, Liva Aubrey Key. 
as hy na liewe albriekie toe elke jaar, en ons gaan kyk na sy babafootiekies. Want die liewe albriekie was klein geweest waar hy geboren was, en ons gaan sy geboorte herdenk met sy klein babafootiekies, en we kunnen use all his baby stuff, and we're going to sit and laugh the whole day about his baby pictures, and we're going to call him liewe albriekie. Does that sound right? But we call him Livy Jesus. Man, he didn't come for us to call him Livy Jesus. I personally don't think he really enjoys that name much for grown-ups using it. He didn't come for Livy Jesus. He didn't come to this earth to be Livy Jesus. That was not why he went to the cross. So we can do these things. I got this slide here. I said, yeah, That's what he came to do for us. He is Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's a bit different than calling him Levi Jesus. He is Lord Jesus Christ and he must be worshipped in that. Every day, not on the 25th with gifts that should not even be there. Remember what I said? The five things? He's a wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the one you must worship if you want to worship somebody. Get this living easy thing out of your children's system when they grow up and let them worship the Lord Jesus Christ that's resurrected, that's walking in power now. We don't celebrate you in your little bed when you were young. Stop celebrating him in the manger. It's not biblical. And again, let the Holy Spirit guide you to, to work through these things. Don't believe what I'm just saying here. Go read your own Bible. Go Google yourself what I just said. You don't, believe, don't go and say, Banner said this and I'm doing this. Go do your own diligence and go read this stuff. And then let the Holy Spirit show you what must you do. What must He teach your child? Because nowhere is in that Bible written you must celebrate the birth of anything. Jesus or anything else. It's a man-made thing and it's even got pagan roots. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you this, guide you, so that you can enjoy the holiday time with your family. I mean, we've been enjoying this for years now. We don't do anything with Christmas. I don't need Christmas to make this time a good time, a joyous time. Uh, what is this saying? They've got, oh, such a good spirit this, this time of year. Huh? Oh, sometimes, yeah, the Christmas spirit. That Christmas spirit is more a demonic spirit than any other spirit, actually, because it all comes from paganism. It's a false spirit. But people do feel more loving towards one another because they're more relaxed and they're not working now, so a lot on holiday. So that is also there. But stop making something... Christian like when it's not in your Bible because we whenever people do something they always say but it's in the Bible This is in the Bible now when I tell them this they don't want to say it's in the Bible anymore But they've just always used the Bible as their reference when it comes to Christians I say but it's not in the Bible then they don't want to use it anymore then they flip the script again Because it's not suiting them or, or what they want to use Buy your child still a gift if they're young say to them. Thank you for your hard work this this day on the 25th We're giving you this gift but it's from mommy and daddy to say thank you for being a good child and doing your homework or whatever the case be. And then they won't feel left out with their friends if they have gifts. If their friends still believe them, educate your child why 
you're giving him this gift and why you don't see it as a Christmas. Educate your child and he will not walk in the area you walked in. And I walked in. Get them to become like Christ. That's our goal. Paul asked us to walk in that. Know what's written in your scriptures. Enjoy that. All right. So hopefully this has given you some sort of idea and challenged your beliefs a bit to what you might have thought before. All right.